WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. Uh, you can listen to us every Tuesday, WHIV okay. 102.3 FM in New Orleans. And you can also check us out online, WHIV.org slash listen. You can get more information about our show at GoodMorningComrade.com. Today on the program, we have returning champion, Megan Romer. What is going on, Megan Romer? <laughs> Oh, you know, Lafayette's lafayette again. Yeah, and we are <laughs> going to talk a little bit about uh, our... We, we touched on Josh Gildery quite a bit in our last episode, but he's up to some stuff. He has been busy. Um, yeah, what, yeah. What, I'm back for a little more mayor bullying. Yeah, let's just for. bully Josh Gildery. Uh, so just for the people who didn't might have missed our previous episode... Uh, can you just do the you know short version of who is Josh Gillery, uh, and what is why is he bad? Yeah, so Josh Gillery is the really not very bright fail son of a swamp pop singer um, who I mean, grew up. Yeah, his dad is Clint. Wait, what's his? What was his name? His name was Clint Gillery, but it was Clint West. Clint West <laughs> was a swamp pop singer. Um, I didn't. And that I is missed Josh that Gillery's part. Dad. Yeah, and that's Josh Gillery's dad, and um, and Josh loves to talk about it. my daddy was a blue-eyed soul singer. Oh my um, god, oh, that makes it so much better. <laughs> I know it's so great. So he loves that particular phrasing, uh, and also just uh, loves to talk about how that's why he really has a connection to the arts and isn't trying to defund it. It just, you know, so happens that. Um, that there's never enough money, never enough whatever. Right. So Josh is the, uh, he is, you know, they say stuffed suit. Josh is a stuffed Magellan fishing, fishing shirt. Um, <laughs> who is the mayor of Lafayette, Louisiana. I actually don't think I thought that up, but it's, it's really true. He is, a, he is, he epitomizes the Magellan American, um, lifestyle. A very important demographic. Totally. Um, He's totally one of those guys who, like, some seemingly attractive person who you went to college with marries, and you're like, what? Why? <laughs> what is good about him? Yeah. So just kind of smarmy. He was a lawyer um, uh, locally, always very open about his long-term plans to run for office. He's one of those, he's got the, the big Beto vibes, like, mm. I was born to be in it. Oh, the one, the one where you're like you're not really human, and you're actually like quite sociopathic, like the Mayor Pete thing. Right. Where... Totally, totally. He's totally like right wing Mayor Pete. <laughs> like self declared. So he's like Mayor Pete. Like, oh, oh, right. <laughs> he's the two steps further right. Right. Yeah. He's like um, he's the one that like doesn't try to be empathetic or whatever. Right, right. Try and fail miserably. But he's still CIA. Right, right. I actually think Josh Gillery might be like more fun at parties than Mayor Pete. Yeah, that's a good Um, point. But that's not hard. 
anyway. so so Josh the when we first met Josh um on a political level <laughs> he was running on the left of Clay Higgins for Clay Higgins's congressional seat in 2018 um it was an incredibly bizarre campaign the whole thing got really weird trump endorsed clay higgins of course because clay higgins is like a grade bootleg bootlicker but then rudy giuliani's girlfriend he was like dating this woman who's from lafayette who also happened to be josh guillory's campaign manager so Rudy endorsed <laughs> Josh and came and did a fundraiser for him at the Oil Center, which is the name of our private rich people club. Well, one of them. But, you know, New Orleans has a bunch of those, right? Like a bunch of like the Pelican Club and the right. Ours is the Oil Center. Guess what the major industry is here? Anyway, so at, 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 the at least like there's no like funny business in terms of like trying to hide it. At least you know where <laughs> <Right>. you're at. <laughs> Right, right, right. Um, yeah, it's there's like, like, what do you do? Um, right there on the box, friend. Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no, uh, no, no beating around the bush. Which, which, <laughs> I mean, so look, much. you don't have to like it, but you gotta respect it, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true, and it, it is a winning strategy, as it turns out. They, uh -huh. they, the direct approach. their little insular oil club clubhouse has, you know made a lot of things happen for a certain segment of Lafayette mm -hmm. and absolutely decimated the rest. But so Josh um, did not win because his campaign sort of self collapsed. There were some rumors of some, some shenanigans among staffers, um, which is, it's really amazing to like lose to Clay Higgins in a Republican primary, but it does tell you a little bit about what's happening politically, uh, what the timbre of the politics over in this part of the state have become. Yeah, um, just absolute hooting hog. Oh my god, it's so bad. Yosemite so, Sam would like lose a primary to some of these folks. Yeah, I mean, Clay Higgins has beat two relatively prominent or well-funded uh, Republicans in primary campaigns. The first time he beat Scott Angel, who was relatively well-liked, except for he had got... Absolute dead-eyed psychopath. Yeah, yeah. He had not endorsed Vitter, which made people in the Republican Party mad, mm -hmm. so they, like, punished him by not backing his campaign against Clay Higgins the first time. The second time, Josh Guillory lost to him. But then, okay, so now we're on to Josh Guillory. Um, he then, he lost that congressional campaign. Then there was some judgeship that opened up that he ran for and did not get it. Um, it was at this point that somebody started a Facebook page that's called Josh Guillory for anything, please. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and like there are graphics circulating of like, like his original congressional, um, like his like yard sign graphic. And then with like Congress crossed off and judge written on. And then that got crossed <laughs> off because he ran for mayor. When Josh ran for mayor. So remember that he ran to the left of Clay Higgins. For Congress and was actively courting Democrats. It was just about at that time, actually, that I got thrown out of the local Lady Dems. Um, and you were silenced. Entirely. They were deplatformed, you. I well, I got really mad because they were like, "We're going to have a meet and greet with this guy, Josh Guillory," and I was like, "What? <laughs> Why would we do that? That doesn't make any sense." This is Louisiana um, Democrats. What? This like, is why, Louisiana. Why would we? <laughs> 
it was it wasn't the the actual democrats it was this this side group called the lady, lady Dems, Dems. Which is yeah, a self-organized yeah, yeah. women's club right but they're 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 calling themselves democrats and they're bringing yeah in this, and like, they absolutely um, jackal and and like Anybody who has any power who is female and a Democrat was involved at that point. So and, and that, it was that, bizarre. Like, that like pause right there. And I know this is kind of a long wind up, but 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 that does speak a lot to like the way that Louisiana Democrats kind of operate. And I don't want to talk like too much mm-hmm. trash, but like there is this sort of like um, there's this sort of like like I guess like there's a believed reality or perceived reality that like only like conservative Republicans could win. And the only, and the only way that that Democrats in Louisiana can do anything to even contend is to like meet them on their terms and accept all of the conditions, the preconditions that your enemy, the Republicans like puts out for you. And how has that worked out in Louisiana? But other than to like drag everything like right wing. Right. So the Democrats end up pushing the least. I mean, we've all and and it's going to continue to be true, likely that we are all going to have to sometimes vote for the least right wing Republican. That happens. That's going to happen if you're living in rural Louisiana, at least for the foreseeable future, because Mm -hmm. it is. Like, honestly, I'm not sure that there are enough qualified, like, literally qualified, like, um, actually, you know, <laughs> meets the age requirements and re- residency requirements to run somebody <laughs> for public office in every single district. Right. Um, not at this point. <laughs> we do not have to. This was in 2017. So it wasn't even 20. Wait. Yes, it was in 2017. So it wasn't even 2018 yet. We did not have to be settling for Republicans yet. And as it turned out, we got a very competent candidate. She just lost by a massive margin because people prefer clay higgins because they have terrible politics Mm -hmm. terrible incoherent politics yeah well yeah that's Um, kind of that's kind of the point like just obscure like for somebody like higgins just obscure the politics as much as possible and run on style yeah yeah and it works Mm -hmm. i mean he really i would say like and i've said this before and people look at me funny but i i really think it's true that clay higgins probably better represents his constituents than almost anybody in Congress, like mm-hmm. in terms of overall representation. Mm-hmm. People love him. They love the sort of outsideriness of him because, you know, Southwest Louisiana has like the history of being the outsiders, like the kind of forgotten um, weirdo French speaker accordion play and yeah. Bayou swamp people, right? That's us. So I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> it's like here. the image of like what it was way back when you know that's that's sort of like the romantic yeah, yeah. image of like that got dashed when they like stopped teaching french in school or let the stop right. letting and people it, speak french in public school or whatever and it was absolutely true like they were absolutely a marginalized community oh yeah um you there have been relatively convincing uh, pieces of academic discourse about how Cajuns were not really white in quotes. You right. know, if we're looking at whiteness as a cr- construct, which it is, because Italians have also not been white. And, Irish. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they definitely were Catholic, which made them, you know, certainly in the sort of anti-Catholic era, um, 
outsiders. So mm-hmm. there, it's not. They spoke the wrong the kind of French. It's not coming out of nowhere, right? And they did have a linguistic genocide. You know, they did. They absolutely made French speaking illegal. Yeah, a whole giant group of people lost their culture because of it. Mm-hmm. So it's not coming out of nowhere. So this like outsideriness is not coming out of nowhere. Um, the weird part is the people who are actually outsiders aren't the ones who are super into Clay Higgins. No, it's, it's like, like white people the, that are like, hey, yeah, that's it's pretty like cool. People whose last name is like, you know, Johnson and Allen and, and you know, McCoy. It's like mm-hmm. these are not um, traditional Cajun families. They're, I mean, certainly plenty of people from traditional Cajun families like Clay Higgins. Yeah. But this dominant like. These are the descendants of the people who moved here during the oil boom, got rich, live in fancy river ranch. That's mm-hmm. who's pushing this. And they love self-identifying as like rurals. Mm-hmm. It's the, <laughs> I like, gun, am a, like am it, a working it, 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 I mean, it's like the Bible Belt thing kind of, right? Mm-hmm. The guns and God and like we hate the gays sort of thing, you know? Right. But like secretly the, the calls coming from in the suburbs. It's mm-hmm. not coming from... There aren't enough people in the way out in the middle of nowhere for that to be true. Yeah. And the, there certainly aren't enough, like, racist white people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there are some, and they are very racist yeah. and very white. So, but there are also a lot of black people. There are a lot of white people who are apolitical. There are a lot of people who are incoherently political. But the love of Clay Higgins is coming from people who, like, think they're a folk because yeah. they have a boat. Oh, sh- yeah, <laughs> the beautiful voters. <laughs> They're the beautiful voters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I am like psychoanalyzing Southwest Louisiana yet yeah. again. There we go. Um, never stops. Um, and in many ways, I really love this place. Sure. Um, you live here. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, for most of my adult life, as it turns out, and I'm 37 years old, so that's actually not just a couple years. It's right. quite some time. Um, so where was I? So Josh lost the judgeship, which he ran on a non-political, he was like, it's non-political. I'm just going to be a judge. Yeah. And then along comes the mayoral race and it got weird. Um, the last, so in Lafayette, you're called the mayor president, which is so stupid. I cannot even hand, like, I cannot call somebody a mayor president. The MP. So I will be heretofore referring to Josh Guillory as mayor yeah, um, um, let's let's start that right after station ID. You're listening to WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. Our guest today is returning champion Megan Romer. We are talking about Josh Guillory and what he is up to. So now Josh is the mayor president. He is the mayor. And it's the mayor president because we have a consolidated city and parish. And there is a longer term um, push to deconsolidate. We only consolidated, I think, like, 10 or 12 years ago, mm-hmm. maybe 15. I don't know. But it was, it, it's not like it's been generations. It was within um, my tenure here. Mm-hmm. And the consolidation, the problem with the consolidation is it ended up overpowering the suburbs, like over giving them power. So the sort of white flight suburb, it's bizarre to have white flight out of a city that was so racially yeah. segregated, but they did it. <laughs> like, no, we'd like to get white. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the um, the areas outside of town that are wealthier, less dense, whiter, have disproportionate power um, and get to make decisions for those of us who live in the city, who are mm-hmm. probably more like 
I don't know. I don't I don't think we're we're not New Orleans or Baton Rouge, but we're certainly not uh the same as our voting record would make us look like we are. Mm-hmm. We're you know more likely to to well, at least have decent people on our library board. So we'll get to that in mm-hmm. a minute. So Josh came into the mayoral race. It was like everything a jungle primary. Um there was a very far right wing candidate put forth by some characters who we'll come back to called citizens for a new Louisiana. (laughs) (laughs) That's just like the most insidious sounding group of people I could possibly (laughs) imagine. It used to be called Lafayette citizens against Texas. Um, (laughs) Again, well, you know what that, you know, I don't respect the, the better Louisiana branding because at least because like we were talking about earlier with the oil plays, like at least they're straightforward and, and, and the, the Orwellian sort of like for a better Louisiana is just like, you can tell that's evil and you know, they don't want to skate at me. Yeah. I know what obfuscation when I see one. Anyway. so they had their own candidate um, who didn't perform very well in the primary. Um, then there was another woman who was a, a fairly prominent realtor who like got all the real estate agents to put her signs in their lawn. And I was like, that's what water. Like she just straight up organized the realtors. That's and uh, and that's how she got any yeah, amount. That's of a way to do off. it. Hey, there are a lot of realtors around here. I don't exactly understand how there are as many realtors as there are because it feels like it's not actually a town that's growing that much but whatever what do i know so i'm sure it's <laughs> nothing to worry about and it's totally normal yeah i'm sure given louisiana's history with uh <laughs> with weird property stuff i'm sure it's fine um and then there was a woman named carly Almlabar, who is great um she ran as a no party candidate she is definitely far to the right of me um but she ran really on like a very pragmatic like here's what we're gonna do about drainage and like she 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 kind of ran on a little bit of like a like a liz warren-ish like here are my actual plans kind yeah. of thing I don't want. but not in a creepy way like okay. she was actually really great and she assembled this great no, no big of, structural bailey <laughs> no big structural bailey tragically hey i, I love bailey yeah, Bob, like Look, the big I'm balloon one was ridiculous. Dog. I like the Biden's dogs. I like the Obama's dogs. Well, what can I say? I love their dogs, dog. right? That's right. Well, I was thinking um, more along the lines of the big inflatable one, which was just so weird. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um. So Carly ran. She got the endorsement of a whole bunch of prominent, like, older school neocon type Republicans. Every Democrat in town. I think she underperformed among black folks and then there was at the very last minute this incredibly cynical thing happened that well i'm convinced that it was a cynical thing and you can decide whether or not i'm right but a candidate entered the race the first candidate entered buddy i'm probably way more cynical than you are about these things (laughs) i know i'm like i am very cynical and i'm here to bully our mayor and that i'm all cheerful about i gotta get meaner um So the the cynicism. So this uh, candidate named Carlos Harvin, uh, who's a um, a pastor uh, in a black church, he's a black man, came in and ran as the Democrat. Mm -hmm. Now, ordinarily, I'd be like, 
awesome. I can vote for, a, for first of all, an actual Democrat, mm-hmm. black man, awesome. Love our diverse candidates, love representing a part of the community that has been historically Shout badly out, underrepresented yeah. in politics. Except I actually think, and it, I am not the only person who thinks this, that he was asked to run by Citizens for New Louisiana. Part of my big evidence is that the minute Josh Guillory got in office, Carlos Harvin had a job in the Josh Guillory uh, administration. Yeah, and, um, and the purpose of doing that would be to split the sort of vote of the... Yeah, just to shave, and all I had to do was like shave like 5% off Carly's Democratic <laughs> take, and it did. Um, that was successful, because a lot, because there are always going to be just enough low information voters who are like, I'm a Democrat, I'm going to vote for Dems. I mean, I've been that that, that guy <laughs> before in my life, especially in like way down. No, there's so many. Where... There's some. I mean, mayor president might be like uh, one of the higher ticket ones, but like for most people, there's so many ballot lines. It's very difficult mm-hmm. to uh, like keep track of all the people on there. So I mean, it's a... yeah, and people don't understand how ballot lines work, mm-hmm. and that's something that took me a long time to figure out. Like. Like, you can't stop somebody from running as a Democrat. Like, anybody can run as a Democrat if they're... Well, I don't even think you have to be a Democrat. You just have to say that you're running as a Democrat and pay the 300 bucks, and that's it. Um, so, that is the theory of what happened. Carlos Harbin still is working for Josh Hillary um, <laughs> and is, like, the... He, he's become... It's, I actually... I almost feel bad for the guy because I am just much too soft. But... Like anytime anything comes up, like like one of many activists will pop in and be like, "Ah, oh, I don't know, maybe we should ask Carlos Harvin." <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. He's the heat because sink. His, his position is actually director of minority affairs. That's oh no, thing. he's oh. so it's like a. Uh, I feel I I feel somewhat unqualified to speak on this, and and I suspect if you ever have um, Jamal back on, uh-huh. um, he could tell you all about Carlos Harvin, and that is where I would get my my deep my deep Carlos Harvin cuts. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I can, I mean, it, it, it rings in my ear. Like I can hear Adolf Reed's voice talking about him being like the Booker T Washington of Lafayette right now. You know, oh, it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> and it, it really like puts, yeah, it's, it's anyway. So Carlos, um, as it turns out, not as far as I can tell, doing a great job of outreach to minority communities in mm-hmm. Lafayette. Um, there doesn't seem to be a lot but, of but, but he's providing there. tremendous cover. Anyway, let's move on. Tremendous cover. And that is a big thing um, that's happening. So, so that's what happened. So this incredibly qualified, like Leslie Nopish woman <laughs> did not get the mayoral job. It would, I think she would have been a really strong mayor actually. And I think, um, for the the sort of auspices of that office, I think it's probably. I mean, she she's more like let's do public private partnerships than I would like, and she's probably more corporatist in the like let's do things to attract more business than I would like. No bueno. But yeah, I don't know that she would have done actively harmful things like what we are about to discuss. Oh, um, so so let's get into it. I mean, it. those things are actively harmful. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, but, no, but, but I think okay, you get so and we talked a little bit about this last time, but let's get into what Josh is up to most recently, which is something that should sound familiar to listeners in New Orleans. Wait, can I do the masks first? Okay, do the masks mask first, mandate. and then we'll go. Statewide <laughs> mask mandate. Josh Guillory refuses to 
to enforce the statewide mask mandate and has like bullied the fire marshal, police chief, and um, wait, who's the third? Oh, the 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 only per- person organization uh, enforcing mask mandates at all is um, ATF. Is it ATF? What's the there's I'll, a state I'll name for tobacco ATF firearms? Yeah, but there's like a state one. It's like Office oh. of Alcohol and Tobacco or something. But but those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's a bar, sometimes you can get those guys. The to fire marshal. To say, like, you cannot have 600 people maskless in this bar right now. Um, and how are the numbers in Lafayette? <laughs> oh, they're great. We're doing great. Okay. We're doing fabulous. Um, you can't keep up with um, Jefferson Parish. I'll just give you that. I'll just throw that one out there. A mutual friend of ours uh, on Twitter posted today that uh, they had been contacted to uh, and invited to a comedy show in Lafayette at the Doubletree Hotel and was like, Awesome. What? That's great. Right now. And I was like, Oh, don't worry. Pandemic's over here. We don't even have it. So that's convenient. Barely even noticed okay. it. Well, let's just do a quick station ID and then we can move on to sure. the present. You are listening to WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. Megan Romer is joining us. We're talking about. Uh, well, we're talking about Josh Gilbert and his newest endeavor to destroy our library. Oh no! Why would he do this? <laughs> because con- paleoconservatives love to destroy libraries. Yeah. So what's going on? What, what is he doing to the library? Why is he doing it to the library? How is he doing it to the libraries? <laughs> what's going on up there? So let's rewind a couple years again. We're mm-hmm. going to go back to, I believe it was 2017 or 18. Mm-hmm. Um, Lafayette Citizens Against Taxes, oh. now Citizens for a New Louisiana, Classic. who is run by this absolute greasy pine cone of a human being named Michael Lunsford, mm-hmm. who I got to stop calling out because I actually think he might like find me and like cause harm to my family. But whatever. We're being brave. Mm-hmm. We're being brave on the radio. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually think he's a giant wimp, but he's a giant wimp who is being funded directly by, I'm not sure who, because we don't know, because that's how dark money works, but it's almost definitely somebody like the Heritage Institute right, um, or, or the, some uh, other Coke or endeavor. Or like Alec or something. Yeah, yeah. So, it, and those things are all connected anyway. Yeah. It's all just the Coke brothers' money and their their friends, except for that that one Coke brother died. <laughs> yeah, the, the one Coke brother. <laughs> yeah, but the other one's still alive. So, um, you know, fingers crossed. Um, can't have everything you want that's right <sighs> but anyway so Guillory is when he became mayor he connected with this organization remember that Guillory is a stuffed suit so he is just doing what they say they have the money they probably have various bits of no- knowledge about stuff he's been into over the years mm-hmm. um he will do whatever they say. I don't know if it's positive coercion or negative coercion, but he doesn't matter. He's a tool. Like yeah, it, doesn't, a tool. It, it doesn't even matter because it's the same sort of monstrous, uh, uh, incredibly cynical, <laughs> cruel sort of politics. Mm-hmm. So, so two years ago ish, there was a kerfluffle with our local library where a uh, a group of people was putting on a drag queen story time, which uh, every library in the country was doing it that year. It was like a thing. It was, it had become kind of memefied. Everybody was doing it. 
the drag queens came, they came and they read stories about um, inclusivity and loving who you are. And horrible, like horrible stuff. I know, horrible. it's really, it's really <laughs> cruel. Um, they at no time mentioned anything sexual. It is literally just dudes in dresses reading stories to children. Yeah. Um, because as it turns out, it's okay to play dress up. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so there was going to be a drag queen story time. Now, I think that the, this group was waiting for something and would have found something. If yeah. it hadn't been drag queen story time, it would have been some bit of programming, some book on the shelf, something. Um, because I think it was all kind of planned. Yeah. They, um, they like had their clerals already like clutched and they were like yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. figure out why. <laughs> right. And it's because these people who are in charge of this actually don't believe anything. They just love money mm-hmm. and love their own conception of personal freedom, which mostly is just freedom for property owners. Right. And they um, love to exploit people who are like, like more socially conservative. Right. And it works. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, it just so happened that this, this took place shortly before there was a funding millage coming up for library funding renewals. This all sounds very familiar to you. I'm sure. Um, it failed the millage renewal. And then there was another one a year later, it failed again. Um, they spent something like $80,000 on mailers to people to tell them how awful the, the taxes were and the life. I mean, this is one of those taxes. that's like 50 cents per household type taxes. This is not a, not a, yeah. a crushing blow yeah. to anyone's finances. Like $20 a year or something like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm definitely like, like many people of our political persuasion, you know, suspicious of taxes that harm poor people. Right. Um, this one, I do not believe was one by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so um, in a man, matter of two years, I don't know what the total amount of cut was, but I think it's something like 30%, um, maybe 40 um, of the library's budget was cut. One of the, the selling points that they used for why the library's budget was cut is that the library had a budget surplus because as it turns out, the library director was incredibly efficient and very good at running the library. And that, a also that also sounds yeah, familiar. That also sounds familiar. So we've got this like very competent library director. So anyway, so the bad people won and then they won again and then they won again when they got Josh Guillory in. And so now as it turns out, our library board of directors is appointed by the city council and the parish city parish mayor president. Um, it is very clear that I'm sorry. It's appointed by the parish council. I'm so confused by this. Cause we just deconsolidated the city parish council into two. So the parish council is oh the one who um, appoints the library. This is also, how do you even keep out? How do you even keep up thereof? Mm-hmm. Complexity is designed to keep people from engaging in politics. Well, it's absolutely yeah. by design. It's confusing to the point like, how do you even keep up with what the government even looks like right now at any yeah, given time if they keep like you? changing it up? Like it's like they're juggling or playing a shell game, you know? Right. And it, this will become clear in just a second when I tell you that there's nobody to escalate a certain problem to because who knows who it is? None right. of us it's know. not defined. Um, so one ext- the most conservative member of the uh parish council the board is one of those positions where anybody can apply you send in a resume and then they have to pick from the resumes that are there so here are the two people that the guy picked the one 
is a woman who none of us had heard of until uh, she gained prominence as a, you know, newspaper front page cover girl holding a sign that said, pray for our libraries outside the drag queen story time protests. Mm-hmm. That's who she was. She's the, she, her husband owns a gun shop and she is the bookkeeper. And that is her qualification. Mm-hmm. The second person is now 20 years old. He is a junior, possibly senior at UL, uh, president of the UL College Republicans. His dad is the Youngsville police chief who made headlines recently because he had COVID symptoms and went to work anyway. Oh, um, God. And had COVID, as it turns out. Um, so he they... obviously transmitted COVID to several people. Of course. Like, why would? how could you not? As yeah. it turns out, it's incredibly contagious. Um so, yeah, so this young man, and look, I feel very, like, I have to go easy on being too Karen-ish about this. Like, I don't want to be a credentialist, because I do not think <laughs> that one having graduated college makes you a better, right. in a better position to understand the value of libraries. I don't think being young makes you in a bad position. I actually think it's great. I, like, I spent some time looking at what other library boards do, and often they have a student representative on them. And I think that's great because students are more likely to use the library extensively. Right. This is not a student representation position. And he was selected over like three different PhDs, a couple lawyers, um, a retired librarian from another parish, a retired uh, middle school principal, like, like the list of the 10 or 12. He must interview resumes. really well. Yeah. He must be great. It's like, all right, either, daddy got somebody a bunch of votes Mm -hmm. or somebody owes a favor or they're just like this kid will do whatever we tell him to do Mm -hmm. um possibly a combination at any rate there is no reason this person is qualified over anybody else who applies so anyway he seems to be the one and then the third terrible person is just a general regular terrible conservative who's like a relatively competent adult and that's almost kind of the worst one because um because you know, confidence is actually kind of a problem. Especially um, when it's when it's confidence for like destructive confidence. That's not that's right. very bad. Right. Um, so last week, um, it came out that at the board meeting. Uh, all right. So what had happened? <laughs> what had happened was the library had accepted a grant from the national, no, Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities, um, which was intended to uh, pay for some sort of programming that, I I don't remember what exactly, I think it was just some sort of historical programming or something. So the plans were to um, have a talk from a UL professor in, who is a, a specialist in black history, have a talk about black voting rights in the USA And then the other book and talk was about um, specifically black women and gaining political power in the USA, which I think includes voting stuff, but also includes like Shirley Chisholm and stuff like that. Um, You know, just the sort of trajectory there. um, Seems fairly like good and and, and instructive and and it can contextualize a lot of, you know, the history of of this area. Or, yeah. or is it and, local, it's not even just locally here, it's more broadly as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it, it strengthens the connections with the university because there's a professor 
um, it strengthens the connection with the sort of more national, uh, you know, writers of history. Um, it's so uncontroversial that the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities, which is hardly a bunch of communists, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, as far as endowments for the humanities go, it's going to be, a, you know, a relatively middle of the road one. Mm -hmm. They're perfectly happy to fund it for $2,400. This is all over a $2,400 grant. Um <laughs> So the board decides you cannot have that programming unless you present both sides. What other side? Of black voting rights? Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm like, like, like the people that are get? like the Jim Crow perspective? Is that like, what's being given? George Tripp here? Who brings that? Huh? <laughs> like, like what? Do we just have to call up the Knights of the White Camellia and see if yeah. they can send us a guy? Who is it? Do we, and so like, of course. The, yeah. Uh, like, like that's like. The, so that's that's really interesting just really quick um because that rings tr like rings a bell on like the national level where like mm -hmm. look i got a lot of criticisms of the perspective of the 1619 project and all these other like this but but for people who don't know it's like a uh sort of a perspective of like a, a kind of a, a history of like like racial oppression in louisiana and i think it goes it's it, it's wrong on a lot of facts, and it's um it, it it sort of like centers that perspective, but it's legitimate in the perspective that it is real. And and one of the things that ended up happening was like Trump, uh, like commissioned this sixteen night. I mean, sorry, uh, seventeen seventy six commission. Yeah, where there would be like, oh, we actually want to have like the like patriotic version of history and it's just absolutely right. crazy and i think you and i are both you know history buffs and and agree that history is a a dialogue uh, as opposed to a list of facts right and i think that there is absolutely place for discussion mm -hmm. but also there are some lists of facts correct so yeah <laughs> like, things happen and you cannot refute it there are artifacts that like are like fairly uncontroversial in terms of like what the interpretation is and there like if you think if you like if you don't think that there was a history of like racism in like voting specifically or in like like in the reaction to uh reconstruction like literal violence you know, it, it, that that goes up all the way till today, then you're just not paying attention <laughs> or you're wrong. Right. And, you're just wrong. And so another part of it was that they wanted, they didn't want any of the speakers to speak alone. So it was very important to them that both sides be represented at the event. Like you couldn't just say that like, well, impossible. why don't you get an oil drilling historian or something and come do a yay oil talk. Oh my God. Which I have to tell you, I would not object to. Like there are, plenty of centrist historians plenty of um even somewhat conservative historians working in our region at, that have written books and i suspect have given talks and i am pretty sure i didn't care because that's what they do their history i think it's fine for a library to host a professor at a public university down the street mm -hmm. giving a talk on a book they wrote that's right. fine i can disagree with things because mm -hmm. i am as it turns out an adult I suspect I would disagree with <laughs> with some of the content of these things because I am, as it turns out, a communist. <laughs> right. And I often have have disagreements on on things that would be, um, you know, potentially controversial. Controversial. So, right. but that's fine. Um, the idea of 
turning down a grant from the Louisiana Endowment for Humanities for $2,400 because you could not find somebody to speak on the other side of voting rights does not speak well to Josh Guillory's and, and company's appointments. Um, so the, least, the yeah. library director resigned. This extremely competent library director who had kept... Okay, another thing is that I um, have a bunch of library cards. <laughs> like, I have a place that will give you a library card mm -hmm. and when you don't live there, which lots of libraries do. I have been known to get a couple of them. Yeah. Um, because I like having access to ebooks and I like not waiting for things. And, yeah. Audio, um, I mean, audiobooks and ebooks, like, that's one of the things that I've, especially now that I'm, like, not working and I'm, like, pretty hurting financially for that uh yeah. one easy way to get books is the library absolutely um and it's it's also covid for like like i get audiobooks you just i just do it i just yeah, push the buttons on my phone and then download. i have the audiobook it's super and easy and i have something to listen to while i sew yeah um anyway so masks because the government has neglected to provide us with ppe to this day so um so the library director resigned, which is awful. I feel terrible for the employees because they're taking the whole brunt of this. Mm -hmm. They're being blamed, um, you know, for whatever programming choices. It's like they didn't. This is all coming from this board of directors, which is a weirdly. Mm -hmm. It's it's weird for a board of directors to be um, appointed by a city council or a parish or county council. That's not the way it's done most places anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I have spent a bunch of time researching, like, how do libraries actually work elsewhere? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and this, this is not the most common. Uh, it's, a, it's a way that, like, we're lucky it didn't become aggressively political before. <laughs> also, the amount of control they have, like, it doesn't make sense for them to be having the granular level of control over $2,400 grants. Like, that's the director's job. You don't get to, like, say to the director, like, that's... And they're controlling programming, too. Like right, which is not what they level. do. You hire a director, and your director does your program. Right. You if you're going to do all that stuff, then why have a director? Which right. is why I assume the director resigned. Anyway, so she resigned. Then what happened? Uh, then today, there was this big, long post on Facebook from the library Facebook page where one of the, the competent of the three terribles... Um, posted that like well yeah it was her fault she didn't get the other side and by the way it's not about both sides that's not what we meant we didn't mean about both sides of voting we just meant about both sides of the thing that was going to be talked about which was different voting. than yeah. voting even though it was about voting and they also pulled down the minutes from their meeting from the their library website that seems like a so, violation of open meetings laws but right so this is the one where it's like okay who do we tell yeah like there's like who are we gonna escalate it to so there's a, a crew trying to figure out like literally like there's a board of ethics do we mm -hmm. tell them um i'm frankly surprised that the university has not spoken out on behalf of the professor right. uh who is okay i actually posted on twitter something about like why isn't the university mad how are they gonna attract top talent when that academic talent knows that they will not be able to <laughs> give a talk about their book at the local library. Yeah, they would have to do it at it's... like at that school at the school right. or like so, uh, like a private place and again that's Right. Which is just time. like it's like why would you want to be an academic that's in a in an environment that's so 
aggressively hostile, obviously, to academics and to just thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody posted um, a person who was a professor at Southern University and who's now um, in in uh, what's the name for leadership at a university? Faculty? No, faculty is the board. He and your administration. He's an yeah. administration. He's like an, he's like an associate dean or something. Whatever that kind of job is called. Mm-hmm. I only went to community college, so it's very important that mm-hmm. everybody know that I don't know college words. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he posted. He was like, "Absolutely not." When they came, we absolutely don't want to work in that environment. When they came scouting me, I turned them down, and now I work in Minnesota because no, I'm not going to work in that environment. So right. like, why would you? one would think this is a, you know, a relatively eminent uh, scholar. One would think that the university had some talks about this. The university being one of the major employers in town, like they do have some pull. Also, they could just take away these people's football tickets. Yeah, easily. The university could like totally shut it down and just be like, you can't come to football anymore if you don't stop. And it would work. That's called power mapping, friends. So, <laughs> so anyway, the point is, nobody who has any power over anything seems to be saying anything or doing anything. But people are furious, and rightfully so. Um, the upside is that the more absolutely egregious stuff like this they do, the more people do seem to wake up. Yeah. Um, well, that's... that's uh, Yeah. So... So, yeah. In terms of the pushback to this, in terms of like the well, first let me pause the station ID. Listen to me, HIVLP New World sure. one point three. Good morning, comrade. Uh, Megan Romer is joining us on the program. We're talking about uh, the situation happening out in the, with the libraries in Lafayette. Uh, in terms of uh, community response and uh, what's going on uh, in terms of you know how we how this gets you know, addressed and, or, and what kind of organizing goes into that. Uh, what, what has been going on down there? Who's responding? Uh, who's upset by this? Who's, who's working to uh, take back control, like control on your libraries in a lot of ways. Sure. Well, it's all very new. Cause a lot of this went down, like she resigned, the director resigned on Friday. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, everybody's kind of catching up. Yeah. Um, this statement from from one of the board of directors that is incredibly offensive and like an outright lie and was made today late in the day um so everything's kind of kind of catching up but definitely um there are at least two uh uh let me try to remember which which two i don't want to it's not the naacp let me um uh but but two two uh, black groups are going to be protesting. They've mm-hmm. already put out that they're going to be protesting. Um, cool. uh, I suspect there will be a lot more. Um, I can't say for sure that DSA will be protesting. There's a lot of moving parts here, so so sorry for putting yeah. you on the spot like that. But but yeah, no, it's fine. Um, it's uh, okay. No, yes, Stand Black is mm-hmm. is one. Um, that's the one I think that Jamal is the founder of. Mm-hmm. And then the L- Louisiana NAACP, local but also statewide, cool. um, will be protesting. I suspect DSA will be protesting, but I can't say for sure. We have to vote on it because yeah. we are a democratic organization. Right. Um, but 
you know, people are mad in the Slack. <laughs> Folks are mad in the well, Slack. And, and, and the um, other thing, too, is even if DSA doesn't get on board, people from the organization can come out and show support as well. I mean, like, like just as a formality to not, like, not speak for that organization without uh, that there being a decision made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think... Um, you know, I certainly haven't been, seen anybody and cannot imagine for one minute a single DSA member saying, no, it's good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, this is good. It's I mean, cool. you know, like with D anybody who's involved in DSA knows that sometimes you have uh, people will say that this is, you know, maybe not the way we want to use resources or or we don't have the capacity. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine and democratic and a good thing right. to bring up. Um but I don't think anybody's going to say, yeah, actually. Yeah, this time <laughs> is a good time. This is a good time account. to like. That would have been good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I suspect there will be some pushback. It's already been, it's made the national news a little bit. Book Riot, the, mm -hmm. the book blog um, covered familiar, it. Yeah. Um, there's a guy, uh, what's he, I think he's at ABC News, David Begnode. Uh -huh. He's from here, and he often um, sort of amplifies local Lafayette stories. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see. I mean, so here's the thing. The thing is that this is all this whole long story, and it sounds like just like the ridiculous ramblings of like a Louisiana backwater, but it's not. Because as it turns out, all right, as it turns out, as it turns out, I have a conspiracy theory. Okay. But I think it's a very valid conspiracy theory which is that this group, Citizens for a New Louisiana, is being directly funded by, I mean, we know they're being funded by dark money, mm -hmm. but my theory is that Lafayette has sort of become a little bit of a testing ground for some of these theories that then um, then you see being made into sort of policy in a box things, mm -hmm. on like the ALEC website. Like, you know what the conservatives are up to because you just go to the ALEC website and they have pre-written legislation yeah. that you know, that you then see in states like ours. But yeah, I think they're um, like, you know how there's this whole thing where Columbus, Ohio, for whatever reason, something about the location and population size, they use them to test all the weird new fast food sandwiches. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we are the Columbus, Ohio, but for paleoconservative uh, property rights supremacists. Uh, and also like public schools during any charter schools. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think South Louisiana in general, like, yeah, just, they, just New Orleans went full charter. I think um, you're going to start seeing some weird stuff out of Lake Charles, which still does not have adequate, like, FEMA trailers. People are still living in tents in their front yards of what used to be their house in Lake Charles. Bizarre. So we're, we're this like... Is six months later, too. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. So we're living through the shock doctrine, folks folks and it's exhausting and there are moments of hilarity like when you realize that you were bullying a child because somebody put the child on the library board yeah it's very insidious to put yeah it's, it's very insidious to put a nine-year-old in the position where you could where they could uh destroy the library i should have known because there's nobody over the age of 25 named landon <laughs> <laughs> Like Landon Donovan, maybe, but like that's the only yeah, one. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, I was like, like fighting with this person named Landon, and then I was like, oh my gosh, oh you're a kid. <laughs> Terrible. That. Oh, Landon's big brother came on my Facebook page to defend Landon. That's how mature Landon is. 
Oh my gosh. This I is know. The... He get his and his big brother and his big brother. Is going to beat you up? Is he going to beat you up? And they were like, yeah, they were like, Landon is one of the most mature people I know. And it's like, it's like you're 20. You can't just say that. Yeah. Oh, incredible. I mean, okay. That's incredible. I love it. <laughs> Which is terrible of me. I shouldn't be laughing because I actually have organized alongside people who are 20 and they're amazing and wonderful. But they also like worked really hard to, you know, get where they were and they didn't just have a dad in politics who got him a job. I think it's fair to say that most young people are also extremely impressionable and that mm -hmm. they are um you know, I taught kids for a long time, not not that old, but like one of the things is that they do have like very flexible perspectives and they're able to they they're, they're able to be pushed in like further than people that that have you know, more are, that are more established, that are older, that know that know more about you know various situations. They know the ropes, and 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 sure. that's that's another thing. Like you can you can you can push a kid around just based off of the fact that they're trying to figure out what's going on and they're going along to get along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's I find it easy enough to you know bully grown men who are the mayor of Lafayette. It's really <laughs> easy to bully twenty year olds into doing what you want i mean equal opportunity the running joke of me bullying the mayor is like Hilarious. you are listening on the radio and can't see Incredible. me but i'm just like frumpy kind of chubby short little cheerful mom with a minivan and you know <laughs> like i'm far more likely to show up at your door with cookies than to actually bully you yeah so that's the bully joke it's very funny um, it's very funny to me <laughs> <It's great. laughs> yeah people who know me tend to think it's funny. um but yeah, it's uh, we're in a really weird spot. And, you know, Lafayette is people I know who've been in and around Lafayette for a long time are like, I don't like, yeah, it's always been way too conservative. And yeah, it's mm -hmm. always been, you know, I, I'm always hesitant to to sort of affirm um, the sort of statements of like, yeah, it's never been this bad. Because often for a lot of people in the community, it was always exactly this bad. Right. But I'm actually hearing it from those people, too. Like, I'm hearing it from um, prominent older uh, civil rights leaders mm -hmm. who are like, it has never been this bad. Wow. <laughs> and and it's wild. It's mm -hmm. it's there's something very, there is something very sort of dark and insidious and um, hidden and obfuscated and sneaky about it. That is different. Mm -hmm. Like. Like you say, like you can respect the oil center mm -hmm. <laughs> because they're not hiding it. Right, put it on the box. Let me know what's yeah. in that box. Don't 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 um, food feed me BS. Right, it's uh, there's, yeah, it's gotten odd. Yeah, it's odd. It's an odd place to be. I gotta say, and it's also <laughs> like. Every once in a while, I have like a moment of super inspiration from somebody else. Um, like the the huge coalition in Portland uh, passed a wealth tax and are using it to fund universal yeah. pre-K. Amazing, right? You hear that and you're like filled with inspiration. And then like it just comes crashing down. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> a win here is like we managed to get an article published about you know, the free pantry that mentions our name and the Facebook comments are mostly pretty nice. <laughs> yes! We've conquered the world! And, and you know, like, and I think we might have talked about this in the past, but like, there's this, this question of initiative. So like, if, 
in Portland, you know, there's the, the essentially the people that were organizing up there to get the wealth tax uh, taken care of. Uh, they were in the position to organize to make something good happen, as opposed to where we're at right now. Uh, with this particular situation, with the situation with the library, you know, the 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 the, the no on two in the in New Orleans, uh, and and various other um, situations, you're trying to stop something bad from happening. And in terms of uh, getting people to organize around something, like it's it's a lot more difficult, I find, to to kind of like shed off the bad stuff than it is to to push for something affirmatively at least and it's more fun obviously to to kind of like to to try and have some way to dictate some of that initiative and and uh i don't know is there any i'm not like i don't need to put you on the spot again but like could, could you see like a situation where that would be almost like a reality in lafayette could that be of something that would happen you know more statewide or i don't know just kind of like just bouncing that your way and you know take it whichever way you want to yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think a big part of it is is and will always be like, all right, how do you? You're never gonna. You're never gonna not have you, bad stuff. You have to stop, obviously. I'm not right, what I'm trying to say. Right. And and some of it is like, all right, are we gonna? We can just keep like running head on into them and hoping we knock them over, mm -hmm. or we can be more clever and we can be more strategic and we can come in from around the edges mm -hmm. and i do think that something like libraries has widespread most conservatives like the library yeah most people like libraries people like libraries mm -hmm. i mean like anything you know people actually like public goods <laughs> yeah despite, despite the them. fact that like they have this like entire project to make like anything public seem inefficient and bad like like the f fact that the, like the the way that they have to kind of come around to like to destroy them is in a roundabout way you can't just like you can't just destroy social security by saying like we are hereby abolishing social security you have to like make it really like as bad as possible and that's kind of an incremental like like death by a thousand cuts sort of situation right so that's right. that's a good point yeah i mean it's it's one of those situations like you don't want to i don't want to obfuscate i never want to like just say something different than the thing that i believe or mean right um but it's more like issue by issue i think that and maybe I'm overly optimistic, but I think you overplay your hands a little bit when you say that there needs to be another side to voting rights. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, you know, or things like 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 voting rights at the library. And mm -hmm. okay, now the library director's quitting. Okay, and now, you know, and people are it's not like ideal to judge the temperature uh, by the Facebook comments on anything. No. But it's COVID, so what, what else am gonna I going to do? do? I can't go yeah. to the diner and listen to the old men talk like I used to. Um, Classic. So, so the Facebook comments, a lot of people are like, you know, there was a lady, I actually responded to her, but she said something like, um, first they let drag queens read, and then they drove the director out. <laughs> <laughs> it was this... Uh, 
So, I mean, you're always going to be dealing with the sort of incoherence of people's politics. That is, they're always going to have kind of, they're going to just not get it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had some just not get it organizing calls even this week where folks just like, no, uh, oh, no. That's not going to ever go away. (laughs) Um, And it's fine. I actually like that. It's actually refreshing because, um, I don't know, I, in some ways it's actually easier to just, because somebody who has incoherent politics usually just doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And you can give them information in, in gentle ways and kind ways, and then they know. Mm-hmm. People who have really made up their mind about bad politics, they're yeah. much harder. Yeah, most people are not committed to what they what they claim that they believe. And I think we're going to have to uh, leave it there. Um, but yeah, we'll tell uh, the folks uh, a little bit about DSA Southwest Louisiana and what else, whatever else you're up to. Yeah. Um, so as of actually today, I am the incoming co-chair, um, one of two co-chairs, obviously, of DSA Southwest Louisiana, which is very exciting. I've actually never officially been in elected leadership before. Can't um, say that no more. I know. Busted. Um, but I was excited to do it um, right now because we're in a position of some pretty big growth and i think we have opportunity to do a lot of really exciting things and to you know just mm-hmm. completely win power for the working class in southwest louisiana so just all i need is a year yeah this. so what's the uh where, where can we find more information you can find all you have to do is type dsa swla mm-hmm. into your any search of your browsers of or your facebooks or your twitters or mm-hmm. your even your Instas. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, we are DSASWLA.com. All right, great. Well, thanks so much, Megan Romer. Glad to have you back. Bye, everybody. You're listening to WHIB LP New Orleans. Good morning,